Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. Welcome to Healing the Spirit and welcome to this episode. So in this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you some of my contemplations for the week ahead. And um, I encourage you to, as always, listen to what is bubbling forth within you. Um, and even if that's not exactly what I'm saying, trust that whatever is coming up for you is precisely what you need to be looking at. Okay. So let's begin with a little bit of an overview of the astrology of the week ahead. So on Monday, uh, June 26, Mars and Leo will square Uranus and Taurus and Mercury will enter Cancer. On Tuesday, the 27th, Mercury and Cancer will create a sextile to the North Node in Taurus. Um, on Wednesday, the 28th, Sun and Cancer will trine Saturn in Pisces. On Friday the 30th, Mercury will uh, trine Saturn. And then on Saturday, July 1st, um, Mercury and the Sun will meet together in Cancer. And they will also be sextiling Jupiter, um, which is currently in Taurus. And finally, uh, on Sunday the 2nd, Venus and Leo will square Uranus and Taurus. So I know that was kind of a lot, but there's actually a pretty cohesive theme to uh, the astrology of this coming week, um, which I'll talk about in a little bit. When I felt into the energy of this coming week, the image that I was seeing was kind of this slower, more permanent movement towards a new orbit right? Or kind of away from the old orbit. And I want you to kind of notice the duality of that, right? Or maybe, hmm, I don't know if duality is the right word, but that they're actually kind of the same thing, right? If you think about an object, you know, that has an orbit, maybe like a planet, right? Moving towards a new orbit means leaving behind whatever it was engaged with before, right? Um, moving towards the new and away from the old or moving from one state away from another is really a normal part of nature, right? It's just how nature works. Sometimes we are moving in one current, in one direction, and then um, the current stops or the current changes and we just start moving into another direction, right? And I think on a deep animal level, we understand this. And also, there are ramifications, there are repercussions on our human emotional bodies, right? Um, when we think about the emotional body, a lot of traditions talk about um, how the emotional body is connected to the element of water, right? Our waters carry memories. And so these memories 
they can be imprints of incarnations, right? Including our incarnation throughout this lifetime, you know, meaning memories that you had when you were five years old, um, memories of our ancestors, right, that we carry in our DNA, or maybe even past lives, depending on your cosmology, right? Or if you think about it in terms of science, molecules that make up who you are now was maybe part of the ocean, you know, or maybe part of the soil, right? Part of the clouds. And so we carry memories of the world, right? And so um, I think part of working with astrology as a mirror, as a portal to our reality is to allow us to recall the medicine that's always kind of within us and available in our inherent relationship with the rest of the universe, right? And and um, working with our emotional body, to me, is one of the most um, rich and complex part of being human. And um, it can carry a lot of deep stuff, right? It can really stir up a lot of things that, um, on a conscious level, we would rather not look at. So I want to start with that because... I want to recognize the duality, right? The both and of the situation that I think as we are entering this second half of the year, we just had our summer solstice, right? Or June solstice. Um, if you are in the southern hemisphere, you will be experiencing this as winter solstice, right? We just entered the second half of the year in the Gregorian calendar. And so it makes a lot of sense to me that we might be in this moment of either figuring out um, what what worked, what didn't work, what do I want moving forward, right? We might be in that uh, contemplation place, we might be in that um, questioning place, and we might also find ourselves um, naturally moving away. Like some things that have been working for a while may stop working. And even though we know that that's part of nature and that's just how life works, um, activations happen, right, in our emotional realm. And so how do we work with that is, I think, the question to kind of think about this week. So I want to ground this a little bit further in astrology because I think um, it makes a lot of sense to do that. So we have a week that is sandwiched um, at the opening and at the ending of the week by squares from Mars and Venus to Uranus, right? So Venus and Mars are in Leo, which means they are ruled by the sun in Cancer, right? And then Uranus is in Taurus, which means it's ruled by Venus and Leo, which means um, ultimately it's also ruled by sun in Cancer, right? And that sun in Cancer, along with other planets in Cancer this week, most notably Mercury, which leaves um, its home sign of Gemini into Cancer, will answer to the moon. So something to consider with the moon is that the moon is the fastest moving object in the sky. The moon is often associated with mood changes, associated with emotional body activations to sensitivities, right? And all of this may sound a little bit like an ouch, and that may be part of the experience. But it's also really important to remember that the moon moves quickly, right? In astrology, a planet is not necessarily defined in the same way as it is in astronomy, right? Um, 
in astrology, one way to look at the planets is that that which moves around the sky and therefore can, uh, through its movement, point us towards the direction of what communications may be present uh, between the sky and human affairs, right? And so the moon in astrology, we can consider as the fastest moving planet because it moves through one sign of the zodiac every two and a half days, right? Contrast this with the sun, you know, that moves, uh, that spends 30 days approximately in one sign, right? Or uh, think about Saturn, you know, that moves about two, two and a half years-ish per, per sign, right? So the moon moves really quickly. And so some of these activations may not mean any more than that some feelings get hurt, right? Something gets rippled up in the field, in the pond, and it may lead to some sort of uh, deeper truth. It may not, right? And I think this is what can be so challenging when working with cancer. We live in a world where we are taught that our feelings are inconveniences, right? Um, so oftentimes, we don't feel safe being in our feelings. We don't feel safe feeling our feelings. Um, and then I think there also exists another end of the spectrum, right? Another uh, part of the polarity, which is that we're also taught that our feelings are teachers, which I think is ultimately true, right? Our feelings uh, are teachers. And also sometimes they're, they're just that, you know, they're, they're, um, the lunar to me is about the constant movement, right? It's about the constant waxing and waning. And sometimes that's just part of nature. You know, like when you look at the ocean, for example, we all know that the tides of the ocean, right, the ebbs and the flows of the ocean, um, they are connected to the moon. They are impacted by the gravitational pull of the moon, right? And yet the, um, the ebbs and flows of the ocean doesn't necessarily carry any sort of deep meaning all the time right? It's just the way that the ocean is, you know? And so I think when thinking about this polarity, right, that exists in the way that we as humans conceptualize our feelings, right, that either our feelings need to be shoved down or our feelings need to be uh, put under the microscope every single time, right? The result is that there tends to be a lot of distortions that can come up relationally when it comes to kind of working through our feelings, it can take a lot of practice and it can take a lot of um, openness and availability to feel our own feelings without necessarily labeling them to any narrative before um, before it's clear that they are actually tied to narratives, right? Trying to pin down how we feel as kind of this blame game towards one another or trying to prove how we feel by amplifying the feelings more than is necessary often causes way more sufferings than uh than it than than it needs to be right than there needs to be sometimes um you know i i think we need to really look at all of this with a lot of compassion right towards ourselves um it's not easy being in a human body, you know, we have our own internal ebbs and flows that we can't always see from the outside, 
right? And so for many of us, also, I think this is related to social conditioning, right? Um, our inability sometimes to right-size our relationship with our emotions have to do with maybe never seeing examples, right, of people in our lives who are able to have a healthy, functional relationship with their feelings, you know, who are able to both own their feelings and also get their relational needs met, right? Like, how can you feel the depth and the spectrum of your feelings and also at the same time uh, still maintain to be in relationships with others, right? Still maintain to... um still maintain like a good level of connection with other people. We can sometimes feel like we either need to shove down the feelings to save the relationship or that we need to over-explain, right, verbally or intellectually when we're in the neighborhood of the big feelings when the reality is that maybe some water just got rippled, right? Like if we think about our emotional body as like a lake, you know, like... uh a stone dropped into that lake. There's a ripple, right? Just natural law. Nothing more, nothing nothing less, right? What if it can be like, oh, I experience ripples here. Let me care for myself. Let me get whatever it is that I need before I come to a point where I attach to the stories that are kind of swirling around in my mind here. And I think this is specifically, uh, it may be really, activated or it may be really a part of your experience this week because um, of the sun meeting mercury in cancer right throughout the week what's interesting also is that sun and mercury in cancer will also be experiencing a trine to saturn in pisces right to me this is really fascinating because again it kind of doubles down on the importance of studying these ripples in the emotional body. So Saturn corresponds to underlying structures, right? Saturn speaks to the foundations of our existence, to the structures, to the rules that we create in order to productively and effectively navigate the gnarliness and the lack of shape that define the human experience, right? The structures itself, they're they're inherently neutral, right? For example, with Saturn, I often think about um, a good example, I think it's like the government, right? Or a labor union. Oftentimes, the common denominator of the story of human organizations or structures that are man-made, right? Begin with the fact that we are all such different humans. We have different ideas. We have different preferences. We have different thoughts. We certainly have different experiences, right? And the reality is that also we have common interests. Even if the particular needs, even if the particular experiences are different, we can often find some common grounds. And so people who have similar interests, then they begin to kind of come together and explore if they can create something to vouch for those interests to be prioritized. So it all often starts with this desire to kind of improve the ways we're currently moving through things, right? So with Saturn, um, the idea in the beginning is very often we want to make things better. We want to make processes and procedures run more efficiently, more effectively in our lives, right? 
We even maybe want to work a little bit less using a little bit of organizational thinking, right? Like one way I think about Saturn is kind of like that idea of, um, what is it called in economics? Um, oh yeah, uh, comparative advantage, right? Which kind of speaks to this idea that, um, if I happen to like doing the dishes more than you do, right? And we live together and you like cooking more than I do, it may make more sense for me to continue to attach to the role of washing the dishes while you uh, continue to cook the dinner, right? Because it costs me less energy and it's a little bit uh, less resentment uh, inducing for me to wash the dishes than it is for you, right? And same for uh, cooking for you. So in a way, with Saturn... Um, as time goes by, right, as we continue to deepen, um, build upon these structures, often what happens is that, uh, more and more structures are created, right? And usually we reach kind of some sort of tipping point. Where is that line? And there usually is always a line, right? Even though it may be felt or experienced differently by the different people within the system, where that structural necessity starts to become a bureaucracy, right? When a certain line is crossed, we started to kind of lose our way and these structures start to take away from some of the intended improvement to our lives that they were originally kind of built to serve, right? So... Back to Saturn and Pisces and Cancer planets in this coming week. The reason why I say all of that is because Saturn and Pisces, Trine, Sun and Mercury and Cancer can really highlight which emotional activations, which ripples in the emotional body are caused by some sort of structural imbalance, right? And in noticing these we can also start to parse out like which ones are caused by structural imbalances and which ones are just ripples right and sometimes the way that i know the difference is that the things that are just ripples right are actually really simple like for example i'm the kind of person if there's something i need to do and i there's something that maybe i need to create and it's time sensitive and i haven't done it 24 hours before I'm supposed to do this, I feel this kind of internal stirring, right? And then everything in my life starts to be annoying to me. Like, I can't enjoy my food. <laughs> I can't enjoy hanging out with people. So I know that over time, oh, um, if I'm feeling something, uh, some sort of anxiety about like needing to do something that I know has a deadline, right? I need to kind of tend to that first, before I do the things that I will enjoy. And at first in my process, there was a time when I was like, oh, I need to be able to enjoy myself more, right? I need to forget about work. But the reality is that it doesn't work because I actually enjoy doing the work. So it becomes, it, it to me now, it's more a matter of like really tending to those needs, right? Like I love working and I love knowing that I'm done with uh, certain kinds of preparation, um, you know, at a certain time interval before I'm supposed to turn that in, right? So how can I honor that? How can I honor that need so that I get to enjoy uh, fully, right, the, the experience that I want to be having? Um, 
And then another example maybe is like a food, right? Like all of us have experienced being hangry, right? Sometimes your emotional uh, activation happens simply because you are hangry, right? So I'm not really talking about those to me are not really structural imbalances, although I guess it depends on how you look at structural imbalance, right? But to me, those are more like, okay, these are emotional activations that point to a simple basic need that we can quickly address right now, right? And then we'll be done with it. And then you'll probably find that this huge wave of emotions, once you do the thing that is necessary to uh, quench that uh, wave is probably gone, right? You don't even see traces of it anymore. Now I'm talking about something a bit more hidden than that, something that, and maybe hidden to our consciousness, right? It's not that it it's necessarily hidden uh, for other people to see, but it may be hidden to us because we are so used to living our lives with certain structures, right? And again, Saturn speaks to structures. And I think Saturn in Pisces speaks to a very specific kind of structure, in my opinion. Pisces is a water sign. Pisces is mutable, right? It's also kind of unpin-downable. I actually have a whole episode of Saturn in Pisces with uh, Sabrina Monarch and Erin Shipley, so I definitely um, welcome you and invite you to listen to that if you feel like. But I think for the purpose of this coming week, really, um, Saturn in Pisces speaks to it's not it's not exactly about structures that are super solid and you know are supposed to last for like centuries right like when we think about saturn and capricorn we think about actual structures like maybe stone structures right that can last for centuries when we talk about saturn in aquarius we talk about um social cohesion right? Like what holds us together as a society, right? These are things that can take a very long time, right? To, 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 uh, to create. I think Saturn in Pisces is a little different and Saturn in Pisces is a little bit less easy sometimes to point out or to notice because they're not so visible. Saturn in Pisces is more like the force of the current of the water itself, right? When you look at the current of water, right, how water moves in, say, a river or, say, an ocean, often it's it's a pattern that coalesces, that is influenced by ever-shifting um, patterns that impact it, right? The temperature of the water determines uh, the flow of water. The direction of the wind, the shape of the bottom of the ocean, which is always in some ways changing right? Movements of the fish within the water. So Saturn in Pisces is really more about the general current that is created as a result of many different factors by many different players, right? It's not always so easily moldable, but it is ecological. It's the pattern that sort of crystallizes, right? The pattern that we can discern based on the movements of the many individual parts that exist within the ecosystem. Right. So for us on a personal level, I think Saturn and Pisces can provide support with these Cancerian emotional body ripples because it may show us where are their patterns of relating, patterns of dealing or relating to oneself or another 
that are actually not nourishing? And how do we get deeper into understanding the different pieces within the ecosystem so that we can create flows and we can create currents that ultimately is healthier, that ultimately is more nourishing, right? A question I would con in encourage you to consider is, um, are there discernible patterns here in whatever it is that's kind of uh, being activated or being uh, or rippling in your life right are there patterns to these ripples in the emotional body are there patterns in my relational activations in my relational breakdowns right if so what do these patterns say about the interconnectedness of my well-being with other people and sometimes in contemplating these questions you might find that the answers are a little bit surprising so my invitation for you is to begin by noticing. Notice, 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 right? And then when you get bored of noticing, continue to notice. I am actually not kidding. <laughs> I'm not saying, right, that uh, you can't create active changes. Sometimes I think creating changes is also part of the noticing because um, we can create changes from a space of like, ooh, Let's experiment with this and see what happens, right? But I think if the changes feel like do or die, if the changes are like, I gotta get out of this, you know, like that kind of um, more teenager kind of activation, then I think, again, there there are other ways that I think we can kind of talk about that, right? But But obviously use your discernment. Some situations are really bad. You need to get out of it ASAP, right? But I think with these activations because of the uranian activations that are happening because venus and mars are connected in leo in the in in a fire sign right i don't think that these activations right are like especially if the activations are kind of coming from nowhere i i would really encourage you to to take a little bit of extra time before you do something drastic because i think especially with fixed signs, right? So thinking about how Venus and Mars are in Leo, squaring Uranus and Taurus, both Leo and Taurus are fixed signs, especially with, with activations happening in the fixed signs, oftentimes these are things that we have known for a long time. We have experienced for a long time. It's not really time to, to do something, you know, especially if something just kind of plops into your field. I think oftentimes it's not really the time to kind of uh, do something drastic to address that. I think rather, you know, consider that an invitation to see, is there a deeper pattern here, right? Um, Mars and Venus relate to the flesh. These are the planets, these are the planetary forces that relate to our body's needs and specifically their desires to attract, their desires to unite, their desires to separate, right? And Uranus can have this overarching, more collective broader energy so when they're in a square it can feel really hard to not do the first thing that comes to mind to solve the problem right quiet down the emotional activations however i think in actively noticing what you will start to realize is that the act of noticing our emotional activations the act of watching and observing these patterns 
it's actually not the same as doing nothing. It's actually extremely active, right? It's kind of like a predator watching its prey, right? Watching the ways that its prey is moving through the world, maybe even imitating it, right? Uh, internally or externally before finally making the move, right? So on a very practical level, noticing these patterns, you know, can be really interesting. What patterns are present in my internal or external emotional reality? What continues to come up over and over and over again, right? How do these patterns impact how I see myself? How do these patterns impact how I see other people? How I see my relationships with them, right? How much time do I need to observe these patterns until I can be reasonably sure that I'm actually seeing the whole pattern, right? Not just a fraction of the pattern, which might lead you to come to an erroneous conclusion about the nature of your reality, right? What resources do I need so I can validate my own experience while also staying open to the possibilities that there are other ways of being that are valid, and that when other people adopt these other ways of being, they may not actually harm me, right? Even if there's a certain level of discomfort in that moment. What resources do you need to tap into, right? Maybe you need to talk to a trusted processor for additional perspectives. Or you need to talk to a friend so that you can have mirrored back to you um, what you're actually moving through, right? Another question that I really love to contemplate when I'm experiencing these kinds of like, ah, big activations, right? And I'm not really sure what's going on. And I don't feel super resourced in terms of being able to feel into the nuances of the patterns underlying these uh, activations and these ripples, right? Is thinking about like this idea of like the best case, worst case scenario, right? More poetically, you can phrase the question like, what are some of the most expansive possibilities that these patterns or these currents can bring to my current reality? What are the most challenging disruptions that these currents can bring to my current reality, right? Really giving yourself the experience of looking at the whole spectrum, like the whole, at the whole range of what may come up is truly, I think, a gift, right? You get to see, okay, this is what that whole spectrum looks like. What's coming up for me? Oftentimes, what I find is that I feel like, hey, actually, the worst case scenario is not so bad, right? Or, hey, actually, the best case scenario is really exciting, you know? Um, so I want to kind of ground this into a little bit of a personal example from my own life. Um, and I want to tie this back to what I was saying earlier in, in the contemplation about this image of like, you know, a particular object moving away from its orbit, right? Um, so I've been deepening into human design, which is frankly, I think, such an interesting system of knowledge or a system of uh, looking at the reality um, or having reality mirror itself back to us. And what I'm learning about my own body graph is that I only have one channel defined, which is the 515. And the 515 is often associated with the flow of life. And that really resonates with me because there have been periods in my life where I follow the flow of whatever it is that my reality is kind of 
you know, continuing to present to me. And it makes absolutely no sense to my mind or abs- absolutely no sense to even like my sense of identity, right? My logical sense of identity. But things kind of just start falling into place. I meet the right people. I'm in the right situations and things just kind of flow, right? Other times I try really, really hard. I try to be very methodical. I work in kind of increments, you know, of like the best laid out plans, right? But uh, I continue to see blockages from uh, my external environment, right? It's, it almost feels like the universe is conspiring against me. I think all of us probably are ex- um, familiar with this experience one way or another, right? So on a more personal level, an advice that I've heard about people who have this channel defined, especially someone like me who only has this channel defined in my body graph, is to trust in, in uh, that flow right and also life has its own flow and we have our own flow right and to really quiet down everything else and tune into what that flow is and sometimes when when the flow isn't present to just let ourselves do nothing or let ourselves just be um drifting right rather than like moving with a particular direction of the flow um and if you're feeling like you know, so so basically this advice says, you know, if you feel like doing something, right, it's probably best to to follow that pulse, to follow that call, because it's likely that there's something there for you. I often, in my own experience, feel like there's this increasing energy or this, this decreasing energy with every step that I take towards the thing that I'm interested in. And something I've also heard is that those with this channel definition, right, need to really pay attention to when they say yes to something that doesn't actually fit their flow, right? Because if they don't listen to it, right? If they don't listen to this internal no, they will also start to impact others' ability to have a certain flow, right? They'll start obstructing other people's flow. This has been a really interesting point of contemplation for me. As someone who loves the people in my life, as someone who really loves spending time with people that I consider close to me, I have often found myself contorting my own flow just so I can spend time with them, right? Like, this is so interesting because I, I think what I don't like about how we talk about this um, in kind of the collective or the general, you know, spiritual community is that we often frame this as like, oh, me and my people-pleasing tendencies. I mean, sometimes I think that's very true. I've certainly experienced people-pleasing tendencies in my life. Other times... I don't think it's really that, uh, <laughs> it's really not that pathological, right? Like we as humans, we just want to be with other people. You know, I, I am the kind of person who actually experience a lot of pleasure when I see other people being happy, when I see that my contribution matters to another person, right? When I see that maybe something that I do inspires another person or something that I say makes them feel better. Like, I really like that experience, right? So I'm not even doing that necessarily to please the person. I'm doing that for myself too because I feel better about it, you know? So um, I think what I really want to say is that what I have found is that the flow itself is actually neutral. The flow itself has no uh, real morals to it, right? The flow itself is kind of like if you look at birds outside or if you look at, um, you know, again, my favorite example is the river, right? Or you look at uh, 
the cycles that your cats or your pets, uh, your dogs kind of move through, right? Like there is a flow to our animal body that is actually really has nothing to do with our human stories about right or wrong, right? Or um, good or bad, or like I'm being loyal to you or I'm not being loyal to you. It has nothing to do with that, right? Like there's a certain flow that is kind of like, oh yeah, I'm really curious about this, you know? And any of any of you who are listening who has been in any sort of long-term relationships be that with your partner be that with your friend knows that this is a thing right it's like i think that this happens with every human interaction like sometimes i notice that especially in friendships where you feel really comfortable with the person you get to a point where you have nothing else to say you know, the conversation comes to a natural end and you're done, right? There's nothing more to say. And you can just kind of sit in silence and you can just enjoy the presence of the other person and how the presence of the other person is impacting you, right? On a, on a deep physical level. And I think this is the same with a lot of our relationships that sometimes, you know, what I brought in a moment ago about longer term relationships is that anyone who's been in a longer term relationship, right, with a parent or a partner or a child knows that there are moments where you feel really close to this person. Like not only on an emotional level, but you are, you're kind of really drawn, right? Like your waters are moving in the same direction. You're interested in the same thing. You're interested in the same questions. And then you might find that suddenly the direction changes you know, that resonance isn't there anymore. And I think it's easy for us to think, you know, to make these big stories about like, oh, you know, this is so bad. Like, what does this mean for the friendship? Am I not, you know, friends with this person anymore? Do we need to break up? Right. And I think what I, what I want to encourage you to consider is the possibility that maybe uh, you're just moving into a different chapter, right? It may mean that you will find each other again. It might mean that's not the case, right? But I think, I, I truly believe that following the direction of whatever it is that we're being pulled towards has an intelligence to it, right? So this week, I think ultimately what I really want to share with you is what if you begin to trust? What if you begin to notice and then you begin to trust, right? The natural flow of these things and not make it mean any any more than it should mean right not make it mean that oh i'm moving away from these things that i like to do with my partner therefore i'm being such a bad partner right it can be really hard because we like to have a certain certainty right as human beings so going back to the astrology um what i think is interesting to consider is the possibility that prioritizing your own awareness of your own flow may actually be better for everybody else involved, right? Because in you doing so, at first, maybe there's discomfort, right? At first, maybe there's conflict, maybe there's disappointment. But after that, you're actually, what you're doing is you're giving people the opportunity to feel into what feels right for them, right? And in you kind of claiming the truth of your own flow in the moment, you'll find that sometimes our truths meet meet one another and we can create this really beautiful loving experience and other times 
we don't, right? And so we go kind of on our separate journeys, but that doesn't mean that we can't still be in connection with one another. It doesn't mean that we can't share with one another. It doesn't mean that in the future we won't again find this, um, find this resonance, right? Or find this harmony or this collaboration with one another that we can so deeply desire. So again, like I've mentioned, we are in a moment of shifts, right? We just had the summer solstice, second half of the year. It makes sense to me. It makes a lot of sense that we are here to change our pace a little, to shift our orientation a little bit, right? With any sort of aspects in the astrology that um, where Uranus is involved, this may be really highlighted, right? You might find yourself naturally pulling away for certain people, pulling away from certain activities, from certain ways of being, certain places, and you might find yourself drawn to others, right? So what if you let yourself honor this natural flow, this natural rhythm, and to really consider it as such, right? What if all this is actually part of a natural process? What if this is nature moving through you? right? In so doing, you might find that you don't need to get all tangled up in suffering. That's not really, either not really in the, in the curriculum for you or uh, doesn't need to be as intense, right? All right. I hope that this has been helpful for you. I hope that you got something out of this contemplation. Um, I encourage you, if you feel called, to reach out to me for uh, one-on-one sessions. I've been loving doing uh, some of the one-on-one sessions recently have been really, really powerful. So I think this is a really great time to look at your chart, look at what's going on in your life, or if you would like to receive guidance from uh, the Akashic realm, right? And uh, that's also something I, I provide. And um, yeah, if you have been enjoying this podcast, I would encourage you to um, support it by writing a review. It doesn't have to be a long review. Literally five sentences, totally enough. Um, and it's super helpful in uh, getting this podcast out there and getting others to um, find this podcast and to um, benefit from it if it resonates with them. All right. Thank you so much, friends. I look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, I'm sending you so much love. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.